Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Game Store Profits, the podcast where geek culture and god culture combine. Uh, my name is Mike Perna. Our regular co-host Luke Navarro is, we, we just got him back and we're, you know, sad to see him go again, but he's, all his recording stuff is currently living in a box as he and his family are moving into their new place. So I have called in some backup, but before I get into that, uh, we did want to just take a second. Game Store Province has never been about politics. We're very firm on that. A few times we've even mentioned it. It has always been more about the spiritual stuff than politics. We still want to continue that tradition. Uh, As of this recording, the election has already happened. Uh, Our president has been uh, nominated, elected, and all those fun words that people throw around this time of year. And... We'd like to encourage all of our listeners, it's, it's real common for geeks to rage when what they think is right didn't happen. And we're seeing that a lot in the news and on the internet and everything like that. Everyone is raging that their guy either did win and they're gloating or didn't win and they're raging saying this is the end of the world. We just want to encourage you guys, no matter where you fall on that spectrum, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be speaking to each other with love. And the president is who he is. And instead of spending our time praying against him and that God would take him down, maybe we should spend that time being a little more productive and pray for him. Pray that he seeks God. Pray that his decisions are godly ones. And pray that the next four years understand who God is and our place under him. All right, politics done. I want to introduce to you guys two people that are very important to me. Uh, I'm going to start first with the person who probably is upset the fact that I'm going to introduce her first. <laughs> but it would be weird for me not to introduce my loving wife, Susan. She has been mentioned several times on this podcast, and I'm so happy that she has finally agreed to show up on an episode with me. So, Susan, say hi to the people. Hello. Uh, my other guest is... How do I describe you, dude? <laughs> I reek of shiny awesomeness. I appreciate that, yes. Um, my buddy Chris North is here with us. Uh, he is an amazing geek and an amazing guy. Uh, he goes to church with us, and he's part of our Victoriana gaming group. And he's, you know, we've had many long, terribly geeky co- uh, conversations regarding comic books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I am very happy that he is on here as well. Uh the reason I brought these guys on here, other than the fact that they are filled with shiny awesomeness, <laughs> is the fact that both of these two come from completely different gaming backgrounds in the fact that Chris has been an, a, a long-standing gamer like myself, and Suze, had you even heard of role-playing games before we married? I had heard of them, yes. But you hadn't even thought about playing them until I kind of <laughs> kicked, I kind of pulled you kicking and screaming. No, that's true. Uh, so I wanted to bring these guys on because both of you are, are currently playing in the oft-mentioned Victoriana game. And I kind of wanted to uh, uh, just find out a little bit about your experiences, what you like about it, what you're excited about, what you hope to see happen. Even maybe some of the, uh, I don't know, the angst that comes along with it, you know, being a Christian and, and getting into gaming. But uh, before we get too far into that, how about the, the short, 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 short version of who you guys are playing? So, Chris, let's start with you. 
Uh, my my character is a gentleman named Arthur Drake, who's kind of your resident, uh, like, loaf-about and kind of scum-of-the-earth kind of guy, but with that air of arrogant charm. He also practices magic. He makes friends with the upper class and the underbelly of society and uh, uses that to his advantage to kind of get what he wants. So you're like Victoria's answer to Paris Hilton. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty I'm much. Sure, I'm sure you're not exactly happy with that. Not comparison. exactly happy. I mean, that would be just as bad as maybe a Kim Kardashian reference. But <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know. He's he's got he's got you know respect for his mother and his family, and you know he's he's very devoted to his brother and his mother. But pretty much everyone else is fair game to be used to to get what he needs and get what he wants, and it's. Totally opposite of me, so it's kind of fun to play. <laughs> I am a good person, I swear. <laughs> Alright, so so Suze, I, I'm especially curious to see what you choose to say about your character, mostly because I I could let Chris rant, I'm sure he's much like me. When he comes up with a character, he could go on for 40 minutes on the backstory and the things that his characters experience, because that's what... That's what childhood trauma... That's and... what gamers do, is we come up with this. You're not a gamer, so I'm really curious... Tell us a little bit about the person you're playing. Um, the person I'm playing is Sarah Blackwater, the middle daughter of the uh, Blackwater family. She is kind of, I guess, not royalty, but a lord's daughter, so she would be... She's very well-to-do. Yes. Um, she loves research. She loves animals. She's very quiet. Um, I kind of built her off of my own personality with a few twists, so... So yeah, I I'm very excited to see. I, I always like when when Susan was playing. Susan was part of the very first Victoriana game we played. In fact, as I mentioned, she's kind of the reason I bought Victoriana in the first place. <laughs> so I, I'm very inter- I'm always interested to see what you do with the whole gaming thing because the past couple games you have played people who are very similar to you. Like, they look like you and they talk like you. And at the same point, not. Right. Because while you tend to be very proper and everything like that, there's always that underbelly of, hey, you little jerk. <laughs> I'm going to... And that's, that's not like me. <laughs> that's very much like you. That's what I'm saying. I think I think very much like you is a little bit more on that. <laughs> but, uh, so, when... Susan, you have already played one session of Victoriana with me. Previous to this game, Chris, you were completely new to Victoriana. We had when we were making your character, we actually I actually had to go over what the world looked like, what the magic system looked like. Uh, so, I what kind of brought you guys to this this particular game? The the game as a whole, or this the game that we're playing now? Either take your pick. Um. Well. You have always loved, Mike, you've always loved um, role-playing games, and mm-hmm. I saw it as a way to kind of spend more time with you and get to learn a little bit more about your world, um, and that was kind of my motivation, and then when I started playing, I found myself thinking, hey, this isn't so bad, I, I kind of enjoy this, so um, that's kind of where I came from with it. Cool. Uh, for me, I mean, part of part of my... Interest in the world of geek is also Sherlock Holmes. I'm a huge nice fan of, of you know the original stories and the movies. Have, have you seen the BBC Sherlock? I have seen Sherlock. I you know I 
I kind of go back and forth with the idea of the modern day Sherlock Holmes, but I like Sherlock because at least it's still set in Britain. However, right. Elementary, I could go for hours about all the things that are wrong with Elementary, which is on TV right now. Lucy Lewis Watson. Well, yeah, to name, to name <laughs> one thing, you know, in Asian woman that will end up being the love interest of Sherlock Holmes Quite as Dr. Possible. Watson has really just got me... All right, but we're not here to talk about Sherlock. No, no, we're We're not not here to talk about Victorian. But that was was the idea. You know, I love the Victorian era kind of as a whole. I love movies that are set in Victorian London and books. And so that idea immediately intrigued me. Plus, when you add in the idea of magic and and fantastic creatures involved in that world, it's like, you know, a marriage of two great subjects. It's kind of hard to resist for me. Yeah, okay, so... I'm kind of curious as to, like, you guys have one session in, Susan's had a couple sessions in, but I don't want to get into elaborate gaming stories, because pretty much if... I, other podcasts have said this, like, I, I've often said that I listen to Fear the Boot, and they have a ban on gaming stories, because it's so hard to tell a game story for people who have nothing to do with the world that you're playing in. Uh, Plus, that can go on and on and, and on, on and, and on, on, and on, yes. And on. So we're not going to do that. I, I, you know, we have time is limited, and I don't want to spend the whole time going over game stories. Uh, I will give the kind of run up of the overall story, but then I kind of want you guys to to share something that you experienced in in the last session that we played, kind of to give people give people a taste because not everybody who listens to us is a gamer geek. Not everybody who has played tabletop games, and I kind of want to give people a flavor for what they might uh, experience. So, to give you guys the overarching theme, we kind of themed this game off the British TV show Downton Abbey. And I say themed it because it's very loosely themed off of that. Because all the plot focuses on one uh, noble house. It's uh, the Earl of Westgate, whose name is Edwin Bartholomew Blackwater. (laughs) And uh, it's his family, it's his estate, it's the lands, the, the town that he is in charge of. So all the plot, even if it goes somewhere else, will always return to the house. And so it has a lot of intrigue with different family members. Most of our player characters are playing as family members. Uh, but there's also servants and there's people in the town. And so pretty much everything you hear, if when we mention the Blackwaters, is, that's the setting is that everything revolves around this house and the people that live there. So, Chris, I want to start off with you again. Has there What was something that, that happened in this first session that really what you found particularly entertaining? I know one for your character, but I don't want to step on your... Well, I mean, for me, there was a character, Mike, that you invented... The, the guy who runs the Ferris wheel at a carnival that comes to town. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I gotta tell you, this character is probably the least developed. He's a side thrown out there character. It was like, is Big Wheel? Enjoy Big Wheel. Nugget off Big Wheel. Is is that simple? It's And it was just this brilliant character that everybody latched onto for whatever reason. We became obsessed with him. But I, I was up for all hours of the evening playing for these <laughs> elaborate characters. I'm like, I just need somebody to run this thing. So I'm just going to do completely... I hate my job, Carney, and it became this it became thing. this lovable oaf that we all just love. But for for hours <laughs> afterwards, is Big Wheel <laughs> is Big Wheel guy. 
I don't even think he has a name. Yeah, yeah, we've just been calling him Big, Big Wheel, Wheel Guy. guy. He right. doesn't have a name. Well, as as far as my character is concerned, you know, my, my character works with rune magic. And so I have to etch, you know, different runes onto objects or things in order for my spells to work. And one of the things I love about my character is that I have a particular rune that lets me... That I have them tattooed on my hands that lets me break down people's guards when I touch them. So it lets them give me... It manipulates them into giving me more information than they normally would in just a normal conversation. That's it's it's a way to, to win friends and influence people with magic. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's probably the f- my favorite thing about my character is, you know, it's not... It's finding, finding ways to use that subtly without overusing it so that it just becomes a crutch. Well, I, to get around. I, I, I was going to say for, for me, my favorite moment with, with you as far as... Because as, you get to focus on your guy. As the game master, I'm watching everybody's reactions to everything. Mm-hmm. And when we had the... One of the NPCs is a marksman. He has two pistols and he had a game in the carnival that was a shooting gallery. So Chris wanted to get information out of him so he challenged him to a shooting match. Now, Chris is not good with guns. Right. So he actually snuck. He's very quickly, as the other guy was busy doing something else, he quickly etched in a rune that basically allowed him, when he activated the rune, it taught him how to fire a gun. That was kind of cool, yeah. And we, we came up with a contest, best two out of three, whoever had the best shots wins. If, <laughs> if Chris won, my guy was going to spill everything. If, and my guy was just doing it for honor. He didn't really care. He, was just, he just thought it was part of the game. But it came down to the last shot. We were both two shots for two shots. And it came down to the last roll. And I rolled so badly. And you rolled so poorly. (laughs) So bad. But out of honor, I got some information. So, you know, there could be some. But yeah, and and so that led to the... It it, it was cool in two ways. One, I could just see as everybody sitting around the table was kind of leaning in, trying to figure out what your shot... Like, how did you roll... What was going on like that? It was getting intense. It was getting intense, and I love creating moments like that. The other reason was because it gave me this cool little moment where my guy who like lives by the gun, he no one's better than him and he knows it, but Chris came so close to being better that out of sheer respect, he's like, I'll give you the answer to one question. Well, that was it was a cool it was a cool moment. It was definitely a you know, and as as an actor you know, we, we, we kind of, you know, Mike and I definitely, we, we definitely act these scenes out in character. And so it was very cool to, like, feel like I was experiencing that moment and really kind of living in that world of, of, like, I really felt like I was talking to a guy who lives and dies by the honor of the gun. And it was just, it was very cool, very cool moment. Forgot about that, actually. Yeah, it was a good one, that right? A, yeah, it was a good one. Good but, choice. um... Alright, so Suze, your character by nature, like Chris's character, you shove him into a room, he's going to make a scene. Because that's who his character is. Your character's a lot more subdued, so what was something either either that you're, you did yourself or that you were part of in this game? What was something that was really either entertaining or interesting about what you had kind of experienced? Um, well, one of the things I enjoyed was, as you said, there was a lot of intrigue in the game. Um, and we had to kind of figure out what was going on. Um, and, and you still haven't quite figured it not, out yet. <laughs> not quite. Um, but that's that's one of the things that I enjoyed the most, the deduction, the mm. logic, figuring out what exactly is going on. And again, that falls back on research. So it's both me in character and out of character. So 
So was there any one particular moment or character or anything like that that kind of stuck out to you? I don't think so. I think it was more the process of um, figuring out what was going on and leading up to leading up to hopefully what will be a good conclusion. Um, but... <laughs> you hope. I love it. watching Susan take all the notes and stuff. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What was? How old was that guy again? Oh my I goodness! Help it. I, I I came up with like because because we're running an entire noble house and so there's <laughs> this head of the the maids and the head of. The, the, you know, the butler and the, the groundskeeper and all this stuff. And Susan's just furiously taking notes about every one of them. I'm even saying, guys, not all of this is going to be important. She's still like, I need to write all notes. Of course I do. Of course I do. Very funny. So what are you guys kind of, you know, we're only one session in, and I've kind of shared the fact that this, these games can go as long as we want. It could either die next session or it could go on for years. Uh, what are some things that you're kind of hoping to see in, in a game? It, it, not even, you know, not even like next session. Like, what are some things that you're kind of hoping for? And I'm going to be taking notes as you're telling this because things that you're hoping to see are something that I might try to work into this game. Hmm. I, I mean, for I would love to. I'm. I mean, for personally, for my character, I would almost like to see a shot at redemption hmm. and see what I do with it. Like. I mean, you know, because because Suze is a character, you know, there's things I can't say about my character that I would. Because you've, you've got a lot of hidden stuff that I, I'm the only other person exactly, who knows about so, it. You know, but there, but a lot of those issues that, that Mike knows about, you know, I would love to see some uh, some redemption with them. I'd love to see them come out and, and have to be confronted. You know, as I, you know I, I love stories about redemption. And, you know, I think that, you know, in a lot of fantasy and in a lot of comics, there's... You know, redemption is an overarching theme, and I think it's such an important subject that I like to, I like to delve into it with stories. So, uh, you know, that's that's something I'd like to see as a character. I'm, as an overall story, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe like somebody who brought magic into this world, like who who brought magic into this world or something like that. Kind of kind of interesting, the magical <laughs> overlord or something. Well, there is in in you know not, again not to go too much into a tangent on the world of Victoriana. There is a uh, kind of a school of magic, and I, you know, I I've kind of tweaked like all good game masters should. I've kind of tweaked the system. There's parts of the world that I didn't like, like the Victoriana religion system is built on this. It's not God and demons and Satan. It's uh, order versus chaos. And it's this real generic, real whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, obviously for myself, I was really intrigued by, you know, I wanted to get the Church of England in this. I wanted to get, yeah. I wanted to get that kind of, you know, state religion versus, you know, Catholicism and all the this, this stuff that was going on with the church in England at that time. Give it a real world feel. And so it. there is definitely one of the, the, the things that I, I put back into this world is the idea of faith. As we know it, and like one of the characters is even uh, the the parish preacher that has his church on the Blackwater's property. So, it, but there is a school of magic, and that could definitely be something, especially because you, your guy floats under the radar. He right. I'm a, magic. I'm an you have to have you have to have a license in this game to practice magic, and Chris's character does not have one. So that there's definitely some stuff in there that could be definitely. 
an entertaining little tangent. I'm a loner, Dottie. A rebel. <laughs> you don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. I've been saying it for years. Um, so, Suze, I'm really, you know, again, Chris and I have been gaming for years. Like, I've been gaming since I was 16. You just started... When did we start playing? It was... It was probably, like... May? Yeah, it was not that long ago right. that we played our first game of Victoriana. And thus, your first game ever. So, what kind of things are you hoping to see in, in a game like this? Um, I'm really looking forward to watching the story develop. I've always been a huge reader, um, so I have a love for the story. Um, I also am interested to see how the characters interact, um, and also how we as a group grow together um, over the course of time by playing this game. Now, there is one thing, kind of to wrap up this discussion, and again, this is this is for you guys out there who are either talking about gaming, or you game and you kind of want to give other people an example of what gaming might look like, and some characters, stuff like that. And as always, if you want to ask us questions about anything we say on the podcast, hit us up on the Facebook page, or email us. But... I, I know, Chris, you and I have a very similar feeling about the nature of gaming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really curious, because, Suze, you and I, and I've shared this on the podcast, you and I have had a lot of discussion mm-hmm. about what can and what can't happen in our games, what makes you uncomfortable. Right. How, I want, I just, I mean, obviously off mics we've had these discussions, but I kind of want, for the, the sake of the audience, I, I kind of want you to, to share with them a little bit about the process that you've had because because you're coming from a, a just a background that you know thought that games are are evil well not all games but right but the, the particular type of game that right. we're playing in right um for me it was actually very hard and we've kind of discussed that um just that because you come up in such it, you come up thinking one way and you're confronted with something and you find your whole worldview having to shift a little bit to encompass this new um, idea. Right. Um, so for me, it was very it was very hard. It was very much a struggle. Um, and I even I even had some issues and we discussed those. I don't want, you know, like no demons in the game, no... Right. In Victoriana, there's definitely what's called dark magic, which is a lot of summoning demons and raising the dead and stuff like that and you made it real clear to me if we're going to play this game that's not a part of this game exactly that doesn't exist that's not an option right not in our house right um and it's it's something that i'm still i guess growing through part of me playing is trying to um i guess see how i feel about gaming and experiencing what what that can be like just so that I can better understand you and better, um, I guess, love you. But yeah, it's it's been a struggle, but it's been one that's been worth going through. This is all about trying to connect folks with gaming. I I am always the the voice of Rebel Radio when it comes to getting people away from the electronic games, as good as they are. I'm still looking for Luke to give me a gift copy of XCOM when he's done with it, but. I, I, there's always something about the tabletop arena, the tabletop genre, whether it's board games, card games, but especially role-playing games, that I'm a big proponent that people get into. So, from your guys' perspective, what are some things that, 
and this this will be cool because again, it's the brand new with the experienced. What are some things that you would encourage people about gaming? Well, let's get both sides of this. How, what would you encourage people to do with gaming, and what do you think are some concerns that people should take seriously about the hobby and getting into stuff like this? Well, for me, I mean, one thing that's definitely a, a positive thing about gaming, you know, and again, you know, like you said, especially role-playing games and games where you develop this world and this character, you know, we we so often, you know, when it when it comes to, you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge movie buff, too. I love movies, but that's someone else's imagination of what you've envisioned. That's why, you know, there's a difference between watching a movie and reading a book, you know, because when you're reading the book, you kind of can picture this world and what the characters look like. It's the same thing with a game. You know, when you're playing a video game, you have this storyline that you're following in these characters that somebody else has created, and you're watching their creation, which is great. But when it comes to role-playing games, you're helping to develop this world. It's making you use parts of your mind that are used for creative and creativity, ingenuity, imagination, and that stuff that, you know, especially, you know, today's generations really take for granted is our own imaginations, you know, because we're bombarded with media we don't take the time to just think and develop our own stories and our rather, own rather than come up with your own image of something you're borrowing somebody else's Absolutely. because that's what hits your head you know it's like the days of being young and playing pretend it's that except in a more adult environment you know so to speak where you can you know really develop you know personalities and characters but alongside with that, and as someone who experienced this, you know, when I was younger, I had a really hard time making friends, and I had a really hard time socializing, and so I got into into games and into books and movies as an escape from reality, because my life was, I just, I didn't like what my life looked like, and it wasn't until I really was able to... to to make a relationship with Christ my own right. and to, to start developing relationships that I can enjoy this game for what it is and not have it be somewhere that I'd rather be. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think, I think that one, one of the dangers is, is you know, recognizing that you know, this is a world and this is imagination and this is great. But if it's your escapism because you're unhappy in your life, Fix your life first. Don't use that. Don't don't use gaming as a crutch, because then it becomes dangerous. You know, and it, it it can. And you know, as terrible a movie as Mazes and Monsters is, <laughs> there there is some reality to when it's taken too seriously, and when you have no other alternatives. Right. You know, that's that's where dangers can happen in in a world in a in a in a hobby like this. Right. I would I would definitely recommend. Mazes and Monsters because it's hilarious. It is hilarious, and hopefully, GameStore Profits can do a Rift Tracks uh, viewing of that. <laughs> we'll definitely see love to be do. a part of that. Tom Hanks at his finest in Mazes and Monsters, the movie, the propaganda movie designed to say that all gaming is evil. And who but, who would have thought he'd go on to do such a, such gems as the man with the one red shoe and Joe versus the volcano? <laughs> I forgot about Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> As we all should. <laughs> As we all should. But uh, but yeah, I think I think that's that's true. There's definitely that idea that the minute it crosses from a fun thing to do with your buddies that involves your imagination to 
your desire to live in that world because your life in this one stinks or the idea that that game is somehow more real than real life that uh, I would as much as I recommend tabletop gaming I would say that anybody who gets to that point should just walk away from the table because yeah. it's not worth it so Suze what, what about yourself we kind of talked about your apprehensions and what you're going through so you can expound on that but I, I'm really curious as to if you would encourage other people to get into this and kind of your brand new to gaming experience because you actually had a couple of our players literally became our players because they're your friends right. and over dinner one night I said we're, we're playing this role playing game and they literally said what's a role playing game right um, well I think and we've talked about this too um, before meeting you I wasn't even into any kind of games no no so <laughs> <laughs> um, give me a book you know I'm very comfortable with a book but At this point, I find myself more enjoying board games and card games than the role-playing games. Because you beat me at those. (laughs) That's That's always fun to watch. But I think, as to whether I would encourage people to do role-playing games, I think I would encourage you to kind of follow your own convictions on that. Um, Because I I wouldn't want to encourage someone who maybe shouldn't get involved in role-playing games to do so. And I guess my concerns with role-playing games come down to the the spiritual element that can be there. Um, just because I would I would have a hard time playing any game where we incorporated demons or dark magic or um, anything that I find to be contrary to the Word of God. Right. And that's that's kind of my biggest concern is that. While Chris said you need to kind of separate yourself from the story, I would encourage you, I guess, to kind of be aware that those things actually do happen. Um, spiritual warfare does take place, and that's not something to be trifled with. <clears throat> yeah, no, that again, that's something that, that we've had. We spent a lot of time talking about that, and I think that if, if there's one piece of advice that I'll give is that that's a big thing, is that if you find yourself trying to get somebody into gaming and they're having these kind of concerns, work with them on that. Maybe don't try to bring them into a game of Call of Cthulhu. Um, there's there's all sorts of stuff that you can do. Like, we've tailored this game so that it, it, it allows for the fact that, that Susan and other folks that might have concerns about this can still be a part of this game, can still be a part of this world, can still be a part of this story, and not be uncomfortable. Like, that... Tailor your games to make sure that no one feels awkward, no one feels any kind of spiritual conviction of, I don't think we should be doing this. And, and also, you know, the idea that, you know, tailoring, tailoring the game, you know, as, as somebody who doesn't have, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the same convictions that you do, Suze, about, right. you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, as somebody who doesn't have as much of a problem with it, it doesn't hinder my playing at all to have those tailors you know I think that they're you know whatever you know there's there's a verse in the Bible that says whatever causes your brother to stumble yep stop it so tailoring a game you know it, it's not going to hinder the player the other players and if anything it'll make it more enjoyable because everybody can be comfortable doing it and that's that's really what's more important is the relationship right with the people you're playing with and making sure that everybody has a good time because it's not going to be fun and it's going to you know hurt relationships if you're 
like forcing ideas that don't really need to be there. Right. And I know I know there are a couple game masters who listen to us because you you guys and I have had great conversations about the nature of the games and getting people into gaming. I would challenge you if you run a game and what you're doing is causing somebody to go sideways on their faith, you're the problem. You need to fix that. You need to to tailor your game. You need to maybe even pick a different system. There's lots of systems out there that have no religious connection whatsoever. Do not isolate, irritate, and otherwise make somebody go away from God over a game. It is so not worth it. So but really, it's just wrong. It's not even. It's, it goes beyond not worth it. You're just you're, you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. You're a, you're a problem, and you need to stop. And and just like Chris was saying, if you're a player in a game and you're playing with somebody who's like this, you have to allow for the fact that people are different. People's faith is different. The the way we come to God is different. The way the things that that get under your skin might not get under somebody else's, and vice versa. And the big thing is, is that we're all doing this together. This is all about unity. This is all about coming together. And I, I have always said that you know I pray for our games before we get before we get going. I pray that nobody might go away from God, but in fact they might draw closer to each other and draw closer to God through the playing of this game. That is a prayer of mine before every game session. And I think that if if you have that kind of mentality. You're gonna get a lot of people who, who are excited about this. It's it's not that hard to get people into gaming. Like I said, two of the people, two of Susan's friends, and and both of them are really appreciative of this game. They really like it. And oh my goodness, your one friend Allie, I I am so excited about what her character is doing, and it's really fun to watch her character go against Chris's character. Oh man, that is. So... <laughs> There is just some kind of animosity between the two characters, then, and we just bite at each other. It's awesome. Oh, it's so. There are so many times when I've set up a situation and they go at it, and I just step back and say, "I'm gonna let this run its course because this is hilarious." And sometimes it doesn't actually pertain to the story. It's just like snide remarks. It's just that we're just, just snarky. Each other. You're just snarky to each other for no good reason other than to be snarky with each other. But uh, yeah, no, I I absolutely love that, and it's so cool. And they, both of them were the ones that said, "I what is what is a role playing game?" Right. And so definitely, that's uh, there's a lot of good there. I kind of want to move from that because of the fact that you guys not only are you both part of the Victoriana group, you also share another uh, common ground. You guys are both pastors' kids. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We, both of us are, are not both, all of us at some point or another, me and one of you guys have had lots of conversations regarding that because I'm not a pastor's kid. Now, granted, my dad is one of the few, if not only members of my family that, that claim any serious faith in Christ, but he's, he's very quiet about his faith. It's not a huge part of his outward expression of his existence. So I'm really curious, growing up in, in your guys' families, and because you guys have the best understanding of this whole geek thing, uh, Chris has been, you've been part of geek stuff for a while now, right? Long, long time. Probably my, my, mid, my mid-teens. I mean, you know, growing up, you know, like every little boy growing up, you know, I loved superheroes, but I never really grew out of it. So, you know, as I got older, I appreciated comic books and, and 
science fiction. Right. To, to give you guys a picture of what you can't see now, Chris is currently sitting here in a Batman t-shirt and with a Harry Potter tattoo. Nah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Chris is long old, old school geek. I'm a long-standing geeker. <laughs> On the other hand, again, kind of, it's really cool this worked out this way. Suze, you haven't really been into anything geeky until you met me. Right. <laughs> it kind of was a package deal. <laughs> kind of fun, isn't it? Being one of us now. <laughs> Part of me wants to do that scene from that old black and white movie, One of Us, One of Us. <laughs> but <laughs> that would get real creepy real quick. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm sure you are, because there have been times when I've made, you know, stuff made in the last decade that you haven't heard about. Right. And so I kind of want to get from your guys' perspective. Uh, let's, let's start. Let's start with Suze this time. Coming from the background that you you kind of mentioned it that gaming, you know, it it had this almost a stigma to it. Just right. in the general culture of being the church kid, coming up in that, and recently you've had to because of the fact that you know, as much as you want to put all my geek stuff up in the attic, which I love you, it's fine, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But being a geek is so much of who I am that you've kind of had to been forced into geek culture very recently. So as an adult, you've kind of had to be brought into geek culture. What What's kind of been your overall vibe coming from where you've been to where you find yourself now? Um, I actually don't find it that strange, I guess. You know, is that fair? Because of who I am, mm-hmm. um, and while while um, I may not have been familiar with it earlier, I've always been, um, I guess I've always been more of a nerd, right? So it's not that much oh, of a stretch nerd for debate. me. <laughs> it's not it's not as much of a jump for me as it might be for someone else. Um, just because I do appreciate things, and we talked about this, like I loved Star Wars and things like that. It's not. I, and I read science fiction before, you know, mm-hmm. we got together. Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. Isaac we, bo- we bonded over Terry Pratchett. Yes. Um, Two eyes met over a Terry Pratchett book. <laughs> <laughs> Two Star Wars conversations later, they were married. The rest was history. <laughs> oh, my. The lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... It, it pretty much is kind of how it goes. I mean, I know for a fact that when we watched our first episode of Firefly... Oh, love Firefly. Oh, shiny. You then you then marathoned the entire series. I did. I did indeed. And uh, there's a reason why your car is now named Serenity. This is has true. a bumper sticker that says, Made by Firefly Engineers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and even recently, uh, Sandy happened, and so we were out without power for a couple days. We went to my folks' place because they have a generator. And we were watching Game of Thrones. And I have always been so leery about sharing Game of Thrones with you because of the fact that there is a lot of crazy stuff. I've often said that I am a huge fan of that series, but I'm kind of slow to recommend it widely because of the stuff that's in it. So when you saw Game of Thrones and and wanted to watch all the episodes at once... once, (laughs) And as soon as we got back, you're like, where are your Game of Thrones books? Right. <laughs> I was I was very excited about this, but, you know, at the same point, it was kind of... So, how do you kind of interact with that? Because I know we've had we've had some fun discussions about just the nature of, 
of stuff like violence and sex and stuff like that in books and movies and its impact on the whole Christian walk. And so, which again, which is why I was surprised that you got into Game of Thrones because pretty quickly you get into some shady business. Not to, I don't want to go too much into that storyline, but how do you interact with that? I think for me, again, it's the story that drives it. And I love that era. Well, I guess it's more of a... It's a fictionalized... Um, medieval, but the medieval, kind of. medieval idea. Um, and so I love the story. And then I also think, to answer your question about how I interact with it, I really think you have to know yourself um, and know what you can handle. And if I find in reading the books that I can't handle the sex, you'll violence, stop. I'll stop. But at this point, I, as we were watching it, I really enjoyed the storyline. And it doesn't so much bother me about the violence and the sex because I can, I can handle that. You know, I'm not... It doesn't overshadow... The story. The story. Right. And it's it, it's part of the story, not the story. Right. Mm. So, so Chris, talk, give us the, the short version of... Because I, I know for a fact we've had long conversations over the nature of comic books and everything <clears throat> like that. Yeah. Well, of, of like, growing up reading uh, yeah. comic books. So like, but, you know, I mean, my, my dad is a... My dad is a pastor. And Ali, my dad grew up in, like, a Baptist home... And kind of broke away from from that real conservativeness. You know, my dad... I, I get my love of movies from my dad. You know, people who think I know a lot about movies have obviously never talked to my dad. Because he can just kind of wipe the floor with movie trivia. Nice. Um, and so, you know... And, and he, you know, he collected comic books when he was younger. And he loves science fiction. You know, he loves the Alien movies. He loves Jaws. He loves The Matrix and Star Wars. So... You know, I kind of get it from that. Oddly enough, my mom, who did not grow up as a as a believer, she didn't come like really start having any interest in anything until her late twenties. Is the one who you know when I was younger and I played my first D and D game, and when I told her recently that I you know started doing this one um, with Victoriana, you know her first thing was like, "Well, sweetheart, you need to be careful. <laughs> Just you know, don't." Don't take things too far. You know what happened to Tom Hanks in that movie? <laughs> you know, so I'm in my again pod- another plug for Monsters. <laughs> Just go watch it. Just <laughs> pause the podcast and go watch it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know with 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 my parents, it's you know sometimes they'll take things and they they kind of pick it apart too much. You know, with mm. my parents, it's very much about how things look. It's like you know you you know you're in ministry. Is it okay for you to be watching that? Is it right. okay for you to be reading that and, you know, doing things like that, you know? For my mom, you know, sex is a big thing. So, you know, especially in comic books and, and you know, TV shows, you know, like Game of Thrones, you know, she is she is uncomfortable with that. She's also, you know, a lot like Suze can be very uneasy about, you know, the, you know, dark magic and demonology and, you know, even something as simple as, like, psychos, like something like Dexter, you know, mm. really, really bothers her. Not my dad so much. So, you know, I, it's, it, it was, I had to break away from my parents' thoughts and kind of decide for myself what was okay for me and what wasn't as far as, you know, comic books. And there have been times where I'll be reading something and watching something that's like, you know, this is so unnecessary that there's no reason really to continue. I, I cite the recent controversies over the New 52 over at DC. Uh, things like Starfire. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, again, don't want to go too much into a tangent because we could do a whole episode on the New 52 and what they did to certain characters. Yeah. But for those of you who aren't big on comic books, there's a character, Starfire, who is from outer space. And so is the, the whole beginning of her, pl- her storyline is... I'm new here. I don't understand your customs. I don't understand how you Earth people live. Uh, very proper. Very uh, innocent. It's the, I'm going to try things. I'm going to experience things. The new 52 rolls around. And that innocence gets destroyed. And I don't want to go into a whole big description of how that happens. But the whole character now becomes about sex and killing people. And, and that innocence is gone. For no other reason. For no you know, other Star- reason. Starfire to... was a great character in and of herself because because you know she, you know, is introduced in a world that, you know, has such such a lack of morality with the you know during the New Fifty Two storyline. You know, it's like kind of picking up the pieces and why did we do that? Right. You know, and they did the same thing honestly with Harley Quinn right. in the New Fifty Two and the Suicide Squad. You know, not that Harley Quinn was not a psychotic character. Right. But, you know, as somebody who loves the Joker and Harley Quinn's storylines and characters, you know, they made her this, just this really vicious, much more violent, much more, like, no conscience, for, for no this, morals. For the sake of violence. For, right, just, just, just so people would go, oh my goodness! Like, and it worked, but it was like, it was unnecessary. It's well, like you're just, taking already dark characters and... Pushing it to a level it doesn't need to just know. like just like Susan was saying, it's not at that point the violence and the over the top it goes way beyond the story. This it, the story takes a back seat to what ridiculous thing can we have them do next? Right, like she, you know what shocking. I mean, again, I don't you know there there are things that Harley Quinn does with with um, a character named Deadshot, and I don't want to you know if anybody who reads. You know the new fifty two. No, we have, we have a, a strict no. Yeah, I don't. I, I got issues with people who who have spo- who spoil things, but um, you know it's there's a moment of violence that is just so unnecessary, and you com- you completely forget why it happened. You all you remember is like, oh, you know that they did that. Like that's just why it's just there's no reason for it. It was completely unnecessary, and that's. So, you know, I mean, really, I've had to kind of discover what I find to be unnecessary for myself and what, you know, you know, it comes down to what, what will bring you away from God. If this is something that I feel like is going to hurt my relationship with Christ, it really has no business being in my life because then it becomes what's more important. You know, is my comic more important? Is this show or this movie or this book more important, or is my Jesus more important? Right. And, you and know, the second, the second, my Jesus is more important. Even shifts to, you know, even even else. a little bit lower. You're you're wrong. You're Absolutely. wrong. <laughs> and that's when you know you need to stop. And it, you know, then then it comes back to the idea of you know you know you're putting these things in your head, and yeah, you know, for the sake of the storyline, you know, not to say that there are things that I have no conviction on that I enjoy watching and reading. But there are just some things that they're doing, especially in comics, because you can get away with you can get away with a lot more in print oh, yeah. than you can, you know, in TV or film. So, you know, there are just you know, again, there are just things that they're they're doing with characters that are wrecking what were great characters and making them into these alternate personalities that are, that just kind of, it's kind of like, eh. 
this isn't helping. It's just gross. It's just grossing me out at this point. Yeah. So, uh, I, I I don't want to get this into a whole re- review show because like, there are so many times when both of us kind of stopped ourselves from talking about this comic book or that comic book. Yeah. Um, I do kind of want to kind of want to get into almost ways that that you think people like inroads because we were talking again. Sue's mentioned it on the podcast. We were talking about it even beforehand. Was that you know even before you got shoved head head first into geek culture with me, there were certain things that had kind of caught your eye. Because our big thing is, is that geek is not is is not the narrow term that some people would have. It's anybody who's really passionate about one specific thing. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain things that have kind of branched out that that it's no longer a geek thing to be into that. And the big thing that happened recently was the whole idea of. And, and I'm sure there are people who are going, and they've gone 50 minutes into this podcast and haven't said anything about this. Uh, um, the the announcement that Disney bought Lucasfilm uh, and are bringing us new Star Wars movies. Episode 7 is going to be a thing. <laughs> Chris, I believe you have strong feelings towards this. Don't get me wrong. I think Princess Leia being the new like Disney really, princess, <laughs> like, yeah, being the new Disney film, like she's gonna show Belle and Jasmine what's up. But you know, people waited so long for Episode One, Two, and Three, and all I have to say is Hayden Christensen and Jar Jar Banks, <laughs> and you know why there were so many problems with them. Why? And who's gonna play Luke Skywalker at this point? Mark Hamill is you know sixty years old. Well, they've already got There's Harrison. No Harrison Ford has already agreed to bring back Han Solo. Of course, yes. He's already brought back Indiana Jones. Right. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he do old Han as well? Well, that's uh, and Disney already bought Marvel. Disney is going to become a world religion. You mark, <laughs> you mark my words. We we joked in 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 college. My buddies and I we sat around saying because we looked at the Antichrist for like okay for a number of years he's going to be the the greatest thing since sliced bread. And and then then he's going to turn and call himself God. I'm like, oh my goodness. We had a a running statement for a good year and a half of the Antichrist will come from the house of Disney. (laughs) And don't don't get me wrong. I love Disney. I love Disney stuff. I mean, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is my favorite movie. You know, I love the Disney princess lines. I love Disney. But Disney's got their... Disney's getting their paws on everything. Right. Like, I want to see, you know, the Disney... The Disney 52 and... The Disney 52. Disney Dexter, Disney uh, sci-fi. It's just, it's going to start getting out of hand. All right, now, Suze, I saw you kind of inch up towards the microphone there, but Chris and I kind of put that down. What do you what do you think about the whole idea? Because you saw Star Wars, and you kind of like Star Wars. No, no, not kind of. You do? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we haven't had... I don't... Sadly, I don't own any Star Wars because I'm a purist, and you can't buy the the old version anymore. If if anybody knows an inroad to get the old school well, before they before, before they, they did all the edits, Hayden Christensen, get in touch edit. with me because I want to own that. But um, yeah, I I'm really curious as to what what your thoughts about this because while while you apparently really enjoy it, you're probably not as hardcore as Chris and myself who are like, this is going to be the end of the series. <laughs> right. Well. I really enjoyed movies four, five, and six. Um, as as everyone should. And I love that you called them four, five, and six. <laughs> as you should. Um, only saw episode one. Did not like one. 
So I didn't see I love you so much right now. (laughs) I figured two and three were a waste of time, so I didn't watch those. Yeah, I love you so much right now. It's so great. Um, Well, I didn't have as much of a problem with Revenge of the Sith, but... Um, so I guess I would look at them as kind of already tainted. Is that fair? (laughs) I'll buy that. I'll buy that. So I don't know how much this is going to affect that. It's going to make it really worse, or if it's just kind of going to level out. I I have said that if Disney knows what they're doing, they'll find the same guys who are writing the cartoon, the, the Clone Wars cartoon, mm-hmm. and they will put them in charge of making the new episodes. Because what they're doing on the Cartoon Network with Clone Wars is fantastic. It is It is good. And you know what? Part of the reason is that George Lucas is not writing the dialogue. Yes. <laughs> you, know, and, and, you know, it's not a real diss against George Lucas because he said himself, I'm not a good dialogue writer. Right. And when you hire... You know, when you hire poor actors to to recite not great dialogue, you know, unless you're just <laughs> the only thing that keeps rolling back in my just, back in my head over and over and over again is you can't win, Anakin. I have the high ground. <laughs> I have the high. Master Obi Wan doesn't think I'm ready, huh? I'm 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 two feet above you. You can't win. <laughs> I just. But yeah, no. Before we, that, that's going to spawn a huge rant and a half right there. But at, you know, I kind of want to. We we've been back and forth about the spiritual things and everything, and and we're kind of breaking the mold. But I do kind of want to. This just kind of hit me. This is it's just as we're talking about the fact that Star Wars has gone beyond a few geeks and has become part of pop culture. It it's that icon, that geek icon that has spread far and wide. Mm. Um. I kind of wanted to talk about the whole idea of, of church and the way we do things and the way we we see God. And I don't know if you guys are experiencing this like, like I've seen lately, but especially us, you know, normally Luke and I have this weird back and forth sometimes. We have completely different opinions because we live on opposite coasts. So when stuff happens over there, I have to be brought up to speed. When stuff happens here... He has to be up to speed. At this point, we're all here. We're all sitting in our living room (laughs) in New Jersey post-Sandy. Yeah. And right now, for me, there are two things that have become icons of what people expect the church to be. One really good and one really bad. And they, they both kind of come to light over the past couple weeks and what's happened. The, the bad, I, we started the episode with. There have been so many people who have just been calling for Obama's destruction because they don't like the way he does mm-hmm. things. And there are lots of reasons to like and dislike what the man's done, but everyone has associated the church with idiots and anger. And with people who hate Obama. And with people who hate Obama. You know, it's... And none of that's right. But that's the icon that has kind of spread. We've taken the, the this is what it means to be church. Sadly. Because what's out there for people to experience is the really loud minority. But that's all people are experiencing. And... On the other side, on the flip side, on the I can't believe how awesome this is and what's being experienced on a day-to-day basis, and this is what the church should be about, and this is so many believers are all about the business of this, is after Sandy, people have kind of been like, let's put the crap aside and help these people. Mm -hmm. 
Churches are coming together to help people. Uh, neighbors are finally introducing themselves to their neighbors to help because people have been without power. And, you know, even Susan and I, we, we only lost power for two days. So we've been inviting everybody over. Anytime somebody says we're without power, our next words have been, you're welcome into our house to, to get a hot shower and to charge up your cell phone. And, you know, we're seeing that all over the place. Yeah. So even for people that aren't, Church, you know, I mean, I, I had friends who live, you know, I had to kind of stay as close to my house. You know, I lost power for almost two weeks, and I had to stay fairly close to my house because of my job. But, you know, I had friends who were believers, like, you know, Robin Kelly, who go to our church, who let me stay with them for two days. And then, you know, my friends Jason and Rachel let me crash at their houses. And they're not believers, but they recognize this idea of, like, you know, this is... This is what you do for people you care about. This is what you, you know, this is the way you're supposed to act. Right. You know? So I, what I was kind of getting with it, that is the idea of what, what sort of, I mean, these are the stuff that we're dealing with. This is, people are seeing this and they're seeing it from the church and the unchurched. They're seeing the anger from the church folks and, and people are getting, they're drawing their conclusions about what it means to follow Christ from what they've seen. I kind of want to move and get what your guys' opinion. This is where we're going to try and, I don't know, combination of dream and philosophize here. What's one thing, and I'm sure the answers are going to be similar, because I know you guys, I know both of you, but I just kind of want to throw it out there to get your kind of spin on it. What's If you could pick one thing, that the church, the big C church, the universal church would be known for. That this, this is what it means. Like for a while, when Star Wars first came out, what it meant to be a geek to love was to love Star Wars. Or the, uh, on the other side of the coin, Star Trek. Yeah. Star something was part of what <laughs> meant being a geek. You, you had to. Right. If you could have one thing that the church is going to be known for universally... I think I would say love. I don't think you can get away from that. Um, Christ himself said, they will know you're Christians by your love. And if we're not loving each other and others well, people are going to miss out on what it means to see Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Christ isn't here, we are here, and we are called to love. Um, And without, without that love, we're misrepresenting him. That, that's so true. There's so much of, of the Bible that calls us to love. It calls us to holiness, but that holiness without love, like the, the verse that everyone points to, the, the love chapter, basically Paul comes out and says, if I do all this stuff and I don't do it with love, it's useless. Mm-hmm. And so you can be perfectly theologically accurate, but if you're using that to beat people down, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I was going to say the same thing. I was sitting in my head. As you were asking the question, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, you know, loving the way that Christ loved. You know, because there's, there's nothing that is more important than that. You know, I think the way that, you know, I think more than, you know, when, when Paul in that verse, you know, I think more than more than just saying it's useless. I love I love the phrases he used. I'm just a, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Yeah. Really, that's just noise. It's, yep. You know, when, you know, and think of it, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. So when you think of it instrumentally, when you have cymbals and gongs and they're used in the whole band, 
with the whole orchestra. That just becomes obnoxious. <laughs> well, no, well, when they're used correctly. Oh, correctly. The way they're supposed to be used right. with within the the scope of the entire orchestra, it's beautiful. Right. When you take it away from that and you just hit them, it's just noise. Anyone with obnoxious. a anyone with a small child who has can, a drum yeah. kit can can, can attest to, to this. <laughs> my mother can because I've played drums for half my life, so I. My mother can attest to it being just noise, but it's just... it's bagpipe theology because if you play the bagpipes correctly, it's a beautiful instrument. If you don't know if how to play just bagpipes, blow, it's, it blows. It sounds like a dying cow. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's horrible, and it's the same with our words. If you just talk completely out of context and you're just a walking mouth, you're nothing but noise. You're nothing but noise that that both non-believers are going to look at and say, you're a moron. Right. And believers are going to look at and say, man, I know I'm supposed to love you and we're supposed to love the same God, but I I don't want to associate with you. I don't want to associate my theology with your theology because of what you're saying. But when you, when you speak in the scope of the big picture of who Jesus is and, and, and what, what his love was about and what his message was, then it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you know. At, normally, as we record, which, whichever one of us, Luke or myself, who's ever responsible for editing it, we usually try. Mm-hmm. Both of us have, have said this. We're kind of figuring out what the title of the episode should be, and I think I kind of have it for this one because we've talked about being in the game, being part of the story, being part of this collaborative effort of bringing something awesome into the world. And when we kind of transitioned into this whole idea of what we want the church to represent. And so the thing that keeps is as a church, as the big C church, we're not, I'm so much into a unity vibe right now because, you know, you read through first uh, and second Corinthians and you just get this, this whole idea about, about unity in the body of Christ and we were, even last night, the three of us were at this kind of praise and prayer thing where a lot of what we were doing was bringing into the, the idea of, of corporate confession. Like, even if we're not necessarily part of the people who are doing this, because of the fact that all the people who are doing this claim Christ, we are part of that because we're Christians. Mm. And the big thing for me is is that instead of just... You can get into the game. You can be a part of the game. You can be a part of the story, but you can be a part of the story to tear down, to destroy, and to make it not fun for everyone playing. Or you can be part of the game and build each other up, head towards a goal, see something in front of you, and instead of of looking to destroy it and make it what you want it to be, you understand that there are other things going on. The story is going to be better if you work with the people around you. Absolutely. If you... If you look to, if you think that person's going wrong, in game you start saying, oh, but maybe we should do this. You know, you you become part of that story. The whole transition becomes part of the story as we push forward towards a goal. So the idea is to be in the game and to actually be the church. Absolutely. You know, with that idea, I mean, you, it's, it's odd that that's such a hard concept for us to grasp, too, because... You know, when you look at, when you look at, you know, I was, I was watching the Avengers the other day and when, when they were all working separately for their own goals, you know, when, nothing when, happened, but exactly, when, you know, when, when 
you know, Captain America has this ideology of the world he used to live in, and Iron Man has this arrogant attitude of the world Iron is better off with me. And Iron Man that. bought the world that Captain America used to Exactly. Exactly. You know, you got the Hulk who's like, listen, I can't help because I, I have no control. You know, you have all... The, and then Thor with the, I'm clearly better than all of you because I'm a god. You know, you have all these guys working for for the same goal, but just pulling at each other separately. You know, when they finally come together to fight Loki and the Shatari, it's it creates this team that's unbeatable within the realm of comics and film. You know, the Avengers are renowned for being this unbreakable team. Right. But I like the fact that in the movie, they didn't start like that. Exactly. And, you know, and I think as the church, we, we look at things now and go, oh, everything's just so, like this denomination is up against this denomination and these people are calling these people not real Christians. Um, even, you know... I, he put it on Facebook, so I'm sure he doesn't mind. Uh, T. Morris, who was uh, interviewed on our on this podcast, who's an amazing guy who loves the Lord, has dealt with people who have just been coming up to him saying he's not Christian enough. And I'd love to say that's an isolated incident, but it's not. And I think mm-hmm. that we, we can look at ourselves and say the church is broken and we can't fix it, but we serve an all-powerful God. And if are we take our attentions off of denomination lines and off of of location lines and start working together, I, I think we should look forward, not back. Look at what can be instead of what is. And but what I have such a hard time understanding is why unity unity is such a a <clears throat> like like redemption is a, is an idea that is used in so much of our media. In books and movies and TV shows and stories and comics and games, this idea of you know until we work together, nothing's gonna get done. Why is the church where that's one of the main factors of of our theology? Are we missing that? You know, Christ talks so much about love and unity come together. You know, that's why he had dinner. That's why he broke bread with the disciples so often mm-hmm. because it was about unity. It was about them bonding as thirteen. Men as thirteen friends as thirteen servants. That was the point. Yeah. Why do we miss that as the church when the world around us gets it and we watch movies and read books and we're like, you see how important it is. They had to come together to make things happen. <laughs> That's so special. By the way, have you seen that church down the road? They're awful. Yeah. They're awful. Like that's that's what we do. Why? Why is that? Why do we miss that as the church when it's like being shoved in our face by the people that don't even believe that? Right. Like we we have the advantage of having knowledge that this is the way we were designed to be and this is the way that Christ calls us to be. Why are we missing that when everyone else that that the stereotypical church says is, you know, that's not of the Lord, they get the point. Right. That we have the handbook for, and yet we're missing it. Right. Why? Why are we? Why? Why are we missing this? So when you be out, that's another thing you can take from gaming and from comics and you know TV shows is that a lot of times they get it. Right. And we should be the ones who get it. Right. Right. I think I think they get it because they appreciate the story, and they know what has to happen for redemption in the story. Um, and I'm just sitting here thinking um, about the verse that says, speak the truth in love. 
And I think again that love thing comes up, (laughs) right? But I think what happens is when you have balance more to one side or the other, you end up with disunity. Right. You end up with people who are pounding, pounding, pounding the truth without love, or you end up with a watery version of love that's not going to accomplish anything because it's it's not tied to truth. No, because it's only let's do whatever's going to make you feel better. Right. With no consequence. I call it Mister Rogers theology. Yeah. Dude, don't be, don't be hurting on Mr. Rogers. No, I'm not. Man. I'm not hurting on Mr. Rogers. But the thing about Fred Rogers' mentality with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was, I'm here to make your kids feel like they're awesome. And, with, that's, and that's it. And that's, that's yeah, great. I just want you to feel there's good. A, there's a place for that. I never missed Mr. Rogers. It was part of my childhood. And I wept like a baby when I found out that Mr. Rogers was no longer with us. It's... I just need a moment. Okay. <laughs> but, but, uh, there's, you, you can't, like, she's like you're saying, if you just have that and you don't have the call to holiness, you don't have, this is what the word of God says, stand really, up. It's like a get out of jail free card, really. Right. Like, last, oh, Jesus still loves you. Last episode, we talked about the whole idea of classic mode and, and I kind of said this flip statement that Luke and I talked about for afterwards too. The whole idea is is that average is overrated. Normal is overrated. Be awesome because that's what God has called us to. Can I go back to Sherlock Holmes real quick? Real quick. My favorite quote in the entire world is from Sherlock Holmes and it says, There is nothing so unnatural as the commonplace. As the commonplace. That is one of the most poignant quotes of my life. And that's what Jesus calls us to be. Right. Different. Don't be common. Right. Be extraordinary. It's not called the League of Ordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> it's the League they of just, Extraordinary Gentlemen. They just, where they just sit around a table sipping tea and talking about the, the problems of the hey, world. You, yo, you know that wars happen with that terrorist? Yeah. That's a shame. Somebody should do something about that. <laughs> Sugar? <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I know we've gone a little long in this episode. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I do. I did I did warn you of the fact that this was going to be an unprecedented episode. Uh, there's just been so much... There's stuff that we can't even get to. Uh, I have notes. <laughs> um, Chris was already... Before we even started recording, he's like, send Luke away more often. I have so, much th- so many things I want to talk about. Firefly 10th anniversary. Firefly 10th anniversary. World War, the World War Z trailer came out, even though I hate to use that title with that trailer. Before Watchmen, new Watchmen There's comic. There's mm. so much to talk about. There's so much geek stuff going on right now. But, you know, I, I really think this is the key right now. This is the, the big thing. The idea that um, we come together. Tabletop gaming is great when all the players come together. The church is acting like the church. When we don't always have to agree, so many times people think that unity is all about we all say the same thing. That's not what unity is. Unity is stepping up and saying, we're going to set aside this you know, minor difference we have. We, we are here. Here are the goals that we have. We are all here to follow Christ. We are all doing it differently. We'll have discussions. We'll build. We'll encourage. We'll strengthen. We'll point out problems and issues not to tear down but to build up to grow up with lo- in love and godliness because that's what it means that's what what love really looks like if love is all fluffy and nice you're missing it because true deep love does hard things says hard things 
not to, to I mean it's just to build up and to make us better love love is where acceptance meets, meets conviction yeah you know if I truly love you I want to see you better yourself so I'm going to say you know Mike listen because I love you I'm going to tell you this is where I see you struggling right and I want to help you break that Right. You know, that's otherwise you don't really love that person. Different churches, different denominations, we all exist for a purpose. There's people that I can reach that another group can't. There's people that I, I was just talking about the, the the last church I was at, I left. I left on good terms, but I left because the way I do ministry and the way they do ministry is so completely different. And they brought in another guy who does ministry the way they do. And I love that. The church is thriving with him because he meets their need. He's the man that God has called for that position. I'm not. Unity comes when we put aside the little differences to get to the big goal, to serve God, to get in the game, to build each other up, that the story makes sense, that the story points to God. Absolutely. So, that being said, it's real fun watching the, the time click by. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys could come on here. I, honestly, I mean, I could keep going for another hour. Oh, I probably. know we could, but, but we've already had people who, who look at us and go, an hour is an awfully long time for a podcast. All right. I'm sure we'll come up with more stuff later. Um, I think Chris and I could have an entire episode about the travesty of World War Z. Oh, um, <laughs> but... Uh, we kind of want to wrap this up like we normally do. Uh, Luke isn't here, so we're not going to get his portion of this. But I just want to say that um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. As always, you can get in touch with us. Uh, our website is uh, GameStoreProfits.com. You can also email us at GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. I'm the guy who answers all that email. You can also follow us on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. We have picked up another couple likes. We're at 67 right now. Uh, remember, the goal is to get 100 by the end of the year. And if we do that, we want to do things like get forums and get all sorts of cool stuff on the website. T-shirts made. We might. You know, I, 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 can, I can already see a T-shirt that says, Normal is overrated. Be awesome. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, stuff like that takes time. And if, if this is speaking to you guys, if this is ministering to your hearts, Luke and I will put in that time. But we're busy people. And we need to know that you guys are up for it. If not, we, we no, regardless of whether we hit this or not, Luke and I are still going to put out this podcast because we're really passionate and we know that you guys are with us. But we, want, we just have this bigger vision of what we want this to be, but we need you guys to be with us. We need you guys to support this. And you guys have done so much already, but we're kind of we're calling to the next level to see if we can get to more people. That being said, we actually are now available in an entirely new market because, as you probably saw on the on the website when you went to go find this episode, you'll see a little box that says, Hear us on Stitcher Smart Radio. If you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet, or even if you just have a computer, uh, you can go to Stitcher.com or go into the marketplace of whatever mobile device you have, and it's Stitcher Radio. It's a way to get tons and tons of podcasts that you don't have to download. It streams right to your device. Uh, it's, you know, I've mentioned on this, I've mentioned different podcasts. I've mentioned uh, Fear the Boot, which is where I do a lot of my, my research for gaming podcasts and gaming stuff like that. It has redefined how I do gaming. I found that podcast on Stitcher Radio. Game Store Profits is now available on that, on that radio station. Um, you can go there 
and look us up. We are you just find us like normal game store profits, and uh, you can stream us live on your your cell phone or your mobile device. So we're very excited about that. We're hoping that's going to open up to a whole new bunch of listeners. And uh, for those of you who have stuck with us since the beginning, we love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And <laughs> like we always say at the end of the episode, God is the game master. And no matter how the dice falls, the game plays on. <laughs>